Our Lakeshore campaign features content that some viewers may find uncomfortable, including gun violence, drug use, and sexuality. For more detailed information, including full content warnings and transcripts, check out the show notes or our website, therealmscast.com. Previously on Lakeshore. Retreating to the naturalist society after fleeing the Drake Casino, Kitty and Susan attempt to treat Roman's injuries. With few options, Kitty sets out into the woods in search of Ileana. The Fae Queen agrees to help, but asks Kitty to be willing to pay a price in return. Hazel and Knox, banned from the naturalist society by a betrayed and hurt Susan, bond a bit over their shared condition. Hazel asks to stay with Knox for the time being, and seems keen on finding a new ally after escaping Rex, but Knox is cautious with the new stranger in his home. One of the demons Kitty unleashed attacks her on her way back to the naturalist society to cure Roman, but Susan, Roman, and Joan fight it off. Roman is healed by Ileana's magic and makes a shocking discovery that the price Kitty paid was her own oracle ability transferred over to Ileana. That night, Kitty makes the decision to leave Fairside, fearing she's already caused too much trouble. Hey, I'm Jordan. Just so you know, I play Knox the Tainted, and guess what? Guess what, Eli? It's what? good to be here. That was the YouTube version. Um, hi, I'm Eli. I play Roman the Fae, and it's good to be here. Not a YouTube channel, though. Hi, I'm Jory. I play Kitty, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jillian. I play Susan the Hunter. It is good to be here. I'm Jesse. I'm the MC, and this is Archie's Weird Mysteries. Sorry, wrong cue card. This is Many Realms. The next morning after, well, I suppose you arrive, in fact, late at night because you left Roman's house late at night and it doesn't take eight hours to drive downtown to your apartment. Instead, you probably arrive early in the morning, 1 or 2 a.m., and the overnight bellman who uh, stands in the front lobby of your glittering, polished apartment building with no termites, no mouse holes in the corners of rooms, no loud noises muffling through the walls, no strange smells wafting up from the floors below. You step into this lobby and this doorman seems very surprised to see you. It's been um, a few weeks, Mrs. Yanakis, since you've uh, favored us with your company. And uh, we're, we're so happy to see you back here, although it is such a late hour. Are you quite well? Yes, it was just an early flight. He nods and he grabs your luggage, all of your clothing that you've packed up in suitcases that you had brought over to Roman's house so you could still afford like a sample of your previous life. He wheels it over to the elevator and the porter brings you up to the penthouse. He brings your bags over to your apartment door and you stand there in front of apartment 1302, canonically, or whatever. Never ask me for that number again. <laughs> <laughs> ready to ready to re-enter your old life, Kitty. I would like to quickly note that Kitty would have um, changed and cleaned herself up before going home. She wouldn't have gone in, like, her muddy park dress. Oh, I'd imagine as so. As much as that was yeah. a look. Yeah, I think she's just going to quietly go in, and she doesn't want to disturb anyone. She's going to maybe maybe make herself a nice tea that she's been deprived of or something. Yeah. Inside the dim apartment, there are signs of the uh, struggle Philip has had carrying on his life without you. There are piles of laundry stacked up on the floor and uh, the sink is crowded with dirty dishes. I mean, he doesn't have his like stay at home wife, but he also, um, you know, the last time you saw him seemed to be working nearly around the clock at his job at the mayor's office. So it might be a, a mix of patriarchy and overwork-flavored patriarchy. You can't win. I might actually, like, try and peek into the bedroom just to see if he's there. You look into the bedroom and you see Philip uh, asleep on the bed. He looks tired, but then again, he's looked tired for the past two months. So I'll quietly close the door, 
maybe check to see if Betty's there as well and then try and sleep on the couch with my jasmine tea or whatever. Sure. Betty, I mean, you can't get a good look at her. She she tends to get into a real like blanket lump when she's going hard in the in the sleep zone. But she seems to be there uh, snoring loudly and you shut the door softly, head back into the living room and make yourself up a little bed on the couch or yourself a cup of sleepy time tea. I think if we're if you just want to go in and take a quick sleep, I'd love to um, uh, at least do the next morning and capture a bit of that, which is that um, Philip actually wakes you up the next morning. You are uh, changed into like a sleeping robe. You're on the couch. Sunlight is filtering in through the Venetian blinds the next morning. And Philip gently nudges your shoulder and you hear um, a tired kind of almost like nervous or frightened sounding whisper. He says, Kitty, God, I miss that voice. God, I miss Philip. (laughs) Never (laughs) let him go again. Oh, good morning. Hi. Um... I didn't want to disturb you. Are, are you okay, Kitty? Is anything wrong? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, uh, I've come to see you were maybe right, and I'd like to come back home. He almost falls over in shock. He sits down instead on the coffee table in front of the couch, and he says, um, Are, are you sure? Only I, I, I thought that if you were if you were coming home, Kitty, that you would have... Uh, uh, sent word ahead of time. Uh, I could have prepared. I, 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 I didn't know. I, Kitty, uh, when you left, you said it was because you were feeling unwell, that there were things in your head that you needed to get out. Are, are you better? Everything's out of my head now. Um, <laughs> as is her way, Kitty is going to probably tell Philip the whole story. She might be bad, but she's going to do it. So she's going to explain pretty much from her point of view everything that's happened since the last time she saw him. It's all quite dramatic and traumatizing. Her slant is that she was unable to help and she caused more harm than good, that Philip was right and she had no business trying to do that on her own. As you tell this fantastical tale to your husband, you can see tears start to well up in the corners of his eyes. And as you talk about the harm and the trauma you suffered and building the relationship with your sister, being, you know, unexpectedly, impossibly brave, taking on these life-risking missions in order to help the people around you, he seems like really genuinely deeply moved. We didn't really get into much about how much like Philip knows about the supernatural outside of like the powers that you have. Mm -hmm. So I think there might also be like a a steady mix of shock, as you described bars that are crawling with like burly werewolves and severed hands that like roam around the floors and the walls of a Drake casino, all these sorts of horrible uh, and ghastly images. The thing that strikes him the most bar none is when you describe Ileana taking your powers away a mere six hours ago he seems concerned because it was a big factor in your dynamic was a little bit of that sort of like kitty knows best that little like whispering voice on the shoulder that guiding hand but he also seems and this might surprise you but strangely happy he he seems to think that uh, kitty uh, if this means that you won't be troubled anymore that you can live uh, peacefully and that your mind can be at ease then then this is a, a cause for celebration i'm Sure, you must feel conflicted about it. I know it must be sad to say goodbye to these powers that have been with you for so long, but maybe it's a, a, a sign, Kitty. Maybe it's actually a, a blessing in disguise, and maybe this is the, the path that we can take t- to become a family again. I, I hope so. From behind, uh, over Philip's shoulder, you can see a curl of black smoke rising from the frying pan over the burner. Was he cooking? He was cooking breakfast. All right, I'm gonna run over to it and take over. Okay. Um, he he stands up. Um, he slides his palms down his face as he tries to reconcile all of the dizzying information you told him. Katie, I I think uh, I think a little bit of time would be nice. I am so glad you're home. Let me tell you this. Why don't I call into the office? I'm going to take the day off. 
I think we could just go for uh, a nice drive, maybe have uh, another picnic with Betty, and we can sort of just um, take a moment to ourselves away from this, this crazy city and just uh, just connect with one another. Would that be all right with you? Do you like the sound of that, Kitty? That sounds amazing. That's exactly what I need. He smiles at you warmly, and he heads into the hallway to wake up Betty. Roman, you want to go visit Ileana and talk to her about Kitty. Correct. Okay. I am going to say that for once she's not in the forest, because we've done a lot of uh, Roman and Ileana in the forest. It's getting played. I think that Ileana, you know, on an early morning, on like a weekday or something, whatever fucking day it is, no one knows. I wonder if she is maybe holding her court somewhere inside a cafe that happens to be below uh, Knox's apartment. Okay. Uh, and I find her with ease, I'm guessing? Sure. I mean, um, she is the the de facto leader of the wild faction in, in Fairside and in most of Lakeshore. So if you, uh, if you say you're looking for Ileana and you, you know, still are sort of in her favor as... That's the kind of ambiguous part there is like, how much do you like Ileana and how much does she like you kind of um, modulates with each episode. It does. It does. You, I mean, she was happy to help heal you. She taught you shape-shifting the last time you had a one-on-one with her. You haven't given her any sunshine in a while. That's probably, in fact, the supplies on that are probably running low. But uh, yeah, I'd say otherwise you're probably in a good spot with her. Yeah. So I'll go, I'll go to this diner where she's at. Okay. And I'm guessing what just... Mostly, like, Elliot Darcy is there. Maybe some other, like, people I don't have to worry about too much. Her her usual court, her, like, closest followers, Elliot is uh, writing in a notebook this, like, epic poem and uh, sketching her in various poses. And she is eating uh, a big bowl of fresh ripe strawberries while Elliot uh, draws her in this, like, sunny corner booth. Okay. My queen, it's great to see you again, and, and I'm... It's her grateful that you saved my life and that you healed me. Think nothing of it, my dear. I have some word on Sunshine, and then I'd like to have a word with you about my sister. She gestures with a long, elegant arm for you to sit at the booth opposite her. Okay. I'll take a seat. Um, I'll be transparent with her about the Sunshine. Like, maybe I'll spit it a little more as I was, like, doing her the favor of testing it out. Not like, I want to do drugs, and then I threw up. <laughs> but, uh, Roman will maybe spin it a little like I have been like scouring the city for you. I found some of the like laced green stuff that you've probably heard of, and it's absolutely not compatible with Faye. Don't use it. Because, you know, even if I have like contentious feelings with Ileana, I still feel like loyal to, I guess, my like blood or heritage or whatever. I don't want other Faye to like be hospitalized and poisoned by this. And I'm also hoping to curry a little bit more goodwill uh, when I segue into where did my sister's powers go? She smiles and she uh, takes she takes a strawberry from the bowl and brings it over to your face and pops it into your open mouth. And as you chew on this fresh strawberry, she says, I don't think that's a very polite question. A request was asked of me, and I fulfilled it. I should think it's a little bit rude to pry into the nature of such things, don't you? You knew I was coming, didn't you? Which is my way of saying, like, you have these powers now. I know more and more every day. Ileana owes me two debts. She does, and I I figured this would come into the situation, so I looked up the rules for calling in debts on NPCs. Great. Prepared. Well, sorry that I did my job as a GM for once. Um, <laughs> to, uh, to So the move you are probably interested in using is cash in a debt, right? Correct. So um, when you cash in a debt, you remind your debtor why they owe you in order to make an NPC. And this is like a list, right? So the options on the list are answer a question honestly about their faction, introduce you to a powerful member of their faction, give you a worthy and useful gift without cost, Erase a debt they hold on someone, give you a debt they have on someone else, or give you a plus three to persuade them. The Wait, I can use a debt to get a gift? Is that one of them? 
Yeah, it, it says demanding they give you a worthy or useful gift without cost means that you're offering the NPC a chance to pay off their debt by giving you material goods. NPCs don't have to honor specific requests, but they do have to give you something you actually want. If they make an offer and you reject it, however, you can't go back and demand it after you see a few more things. It sounds like there's not really a way for me to get this ability back from Ileana. What I would say is that, um, I mean, A, Jory and I talked about this being like something that would require a little bit of like teamwork and challenge uh, and have that be like a big part of Katie's kind of character journey. And B, Ileana is clearly, I don't know that she's necessarily happy that you're like upset, but she is enjoying having these powers. Um, and she she's playful, right? She's a little bit like, Mm, you want her powers back? Mm, well, I don't know. Mm, yeah. Kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So she can be a little bit bratty. I don't think it's impossible to get her to relinquish these. I think it might it might be more of a matter of like uh, indirect action. OK. Like something you might accomplish here is like get key information about like how they could like possibly be turned back or like get information on like how Oracle powers work or if there's like another person you could talk to. If you're like truly upset, I don't think she would like give you nothing. For sure. But I also think it would be very hard to get her to just be like, okay, it's fine. It's done. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Makes sense. I I would like to cash in my debts then to increase my persuasion against her. Cool. So you're going to get a plus three when you persuade Ileana. Okay. Uh, Since I'm not asking for something big, I don't think it should be too difficult. Um, I will remind her that she owes me these debts and ask her if there's any way for not even necessarily for her to return the power or if there's another way for Kitty to like reaccess her Oracle power. I don't know if it's a well, like theoretically it's in my own blood and I've never used it. So maybe that potential is there and unused. Um, so I will ask Ileana, I'm asking if there's any way that Kitty could get her powers back, not necessarily exclusive to you losing yours. Sure. Okay. So roll to persuade an NPC. Roll with heart. Four plus three, seven. Just made it. Whoa! Aren't you glad that you <laughs> added that plus three? Hot damn. Okay. Uh, on a seven to nine, they modify the terms or demand a debt. Ileana is, again, she's like, she's willing to play by her own leprechaun rules, as it were. She is happy to help you, but I think she also wants to make sure that it happens in such a way that tips the scales of power a little back in her favor, because right now you have two debts on her and she has no debts on you. So it's a little bit imbalanced. So she's going to demand a debt and she's going to lean in and uh, she picks up another strawberry. She presses a, a slender finger to the top of it and you can see the strawberry start to wither and blacken and little mold spores sprout on it in between her two fingers. And then when she pulls her finger away, it springs back to like full fruity life. Like she's been watching too many Pushing Daisies marathons overnight, like a certain dungeon master. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, um, there are many ways to access these sorts of powers, Roman. I'm flattered and grateful that you've chosen to study under me, but By no means do I pretend to be the only source of power in the city of Lakeshore. That would be naive and dangerous. I think that if you want to learn the art of oracular visions for knowledge of events yet to come, you should talk to someone who is well practiced in them. And she reaches into her little purse that she keeps next to her on the booth and she pulls out a business card. She places it face down on the booth table and slides it over to you. And as you reach out to grab it, she, pretty woman, pulls it away and giggles. She's both. She's both the pretty woman and the Richard Gere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's a, she's self-actualized. <laughs> and, um, and she says, um, I'm doing this to you as a favor, Roman, because despite how finicky you can be, and she smiles widely. You're still one of my favorites. Don't disappoint me, okay? I think with extra resolve in Roman's eyes, she says, I won't. She takes the business card. Susan slept in the Naturalist Society overnight in a moody Batman kind of way.
And this morning, uh, she would like to summon all her allies to revisit Arthur Cho. They got what they came for at the casino, and I think it's worth uh, showing Arthur because Susan loves having allies. So she would probably go to Roman's house first because it's closest to get Roman and Kitty. And then she'll uh, visit Knox's apartment because she knows the address. What's your reaction to finding out that Kitty is not at Roman's house? Uh, does Roman want to tell me she like left? Yeah, transparent, but sullen about it. She, I heard her leaving in the night, presumably back to Philip and her expensive condo. Do you, do you know, do you know the address? Uh, no. I don't know how to contact her, I guess. That's a huge missing piece of the puzzle. Uh, did, did she leave anything behind? Did she take everything with her? I left everything behind. You left everything behind? Yeah, I left you, like, a note with, like, the notes about the sunshine and stuff. Uh, sorry, you left a note being like, I'm leaving. I think that the salient point is that, that Susan's getting at is that she also left all of the, like, materials that you found yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in, yeah, yeah. Okay, we have all the stuff, it's upstairs, I can get it before we go, but I have no means to contact Kitty. Well, I guess we know her husband works at City Hall, we know his name, we could track her down that way, if... If we can, I, I would like to have everybody in this together. We should we should go see Arthur and present what we know. And we all participated. We're all uh, deserving of whatever reward he has to offer, don't you think? Yeah, I... If Kitty doesn't want to be here, I don't want Kitty to be here in danger. But I'd like, at least, at the very least, for her to come see Arthur get that sort of reward and apologize to her. But beyond that, I'm not going to ask her to keep endangering herself. Well, she knew the risks, I suppose. Yeah, so outside of character for a moment, I think, like, it would be useful if Knox, who now sees Kitty as, like, a huge ally, or Susan to be like, Kitty, we need you to come back, because I don't think Roman can be like, keep endangering yourself, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. For sure. If if Roman says, you know, she's, like, totally adeptish, she doesn't want to be a part of this anymore, then, like, okay, whatever. So I guess she'll, she'll wrap up the conversation with Roman. I don't know if she, she probably wouldn't want to go right away to see Arthur, but maybe they, like, set a time and she says she'll go get Knox and they'll all meet up there later. And if anybody does hear from Kitty, please call me. <laughs> So are we going to try to go to City Hall before Arthur Cho? I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's the question of whether or not Kitty needs to be at the scene of Arthur Cho, which, like, personally, I'm, I'm fine either way. Uh, but also, like, how much the characters want to respect Kitty saying, I'm out, and, like, letting her walk away if she wants to walk away. Like, if she wanted to go see Arthur Cho, she would have told you. And also, maybe, like, narratively giving, like, any legs to this kitty walks away storyline versus, like, immediately yeah. going to track her down in the very next scene and, like, roping her back in, which I think is fine, too, but just, like, something to, to be conscious of. Well, I don't really know, like, how we would rope kitty back in down the line because, like, Roman wouldn't intend to do it, to be honest. Sweetie, I've got my schemes. Okay, got okay, my okay. You think Jory messaged me being like, I want Kitty to like get out. And I was like, all right, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, okay, well, then let's gather Knox and go see uh, Arthur Cho. You guys, Roman and Susan, head over to Knox's apartment up of the cafe where Roman, you just were a couple hours ago this morning having a, a nice strawberry brunch. What's the what's the vibe here? I mean, this is the first time Susan and Knox have seen each other since Susan was like GTFO. I mean, what is the vibe? Where's uh, where's Hazel? Uh, unless you have like banished her the next morning, she's in no hurry to leave. She, yeah, she doesn't have a uh, place to go. From the sounds of it, she doesn't have like a lot of other friends in the city because she's had a pretty uh, isolated existence, much like you. She's also, I think, keen to stick with you as far as like your discussions about like we need to figure out how to get out of this thing. You know, I think she also can infer to some extent that you guys are like involved in quite a bit of sticky business. So it might be um, 
wise of her to be uh, on top of it rather than like not know about it. But like, as you mentioned, you talked to her uh, last night and she doesn't really know much about Arthur Cho or about Sunshine. So, um, yeah, that's that's her vibe. I have uh, some some really nice beans from the nice uh, old canonically canonically old couple downstairs in the cafe that they kind of gave me for a Christmas present that I only pull out for kind of nice you know, what? Good sorry, beans, coffee beans. Oh, coffee beans. I was like. Cool. Baked can beans. Beans. Breakfast. Like beans. <laughs> beans. You have to uh, say coffee then, beans. With French presses, be, yeah, whatever. Oh. There's, uh, no, there's no, no France uh, in this universe. I, I pull out. I, I have my I have my Spanish press uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, nice nice cup 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 of coffee. Uh, how does how does Hazel like her eggs? Hard-boiled, like she is, as any noir character. Hard-boiled, okay, that's great. That's that's easy. Okay, uh, I'm in. I'm 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 in the middle of doing those up right now. Okay, uh, you hear a knock at the door. Hazel says, "Do you do you want me to get it? Are you busy?" Uh, yeah. Do you, do you mind? I'm. This hard-boiled egg will take another at least five to seven minutes, and I gotta make sure I'm You're watching <laughs> it at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she leaves you to breakfast and she heads downstairs and she opens the door to see, presumably, Susan and Roman. You see the the pianist lady that helped you escape from the basement of the Drake Casino a couple nights ago. She gives you like a friendly, if non-committal smile and says, um, well, I didn't expect I'd see uh, uh, you two, your lovely faces so soon. What's the good word, Cracker Jack? I... Don't think we expected to see you so soon either. Well, I uh, I needed a place to stay, and your friend Knox was kind enough to put me up temporarily. So here I am. Didn't know he had a heart. Anyways, Ian. <laughs> Ian his beating heart are upstairs. I can, uh, I'll go ask him. I'll, one second. And she closes the door and she says, it's uh, those women who hate you. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Knox, sir, it's women who hate you online too. <laughs> uh, I tell her I was expecting them, so... Because I assume that I would be to some extent at some point uh, in the same way that they obviously were like, hey, we should go get that reward. I was like, oh, you know what? They probably are going to want to get that reward. Hazel lets the two of you up the stairs and into Knox's uh, apartment, which Susan's been to before. Roman probably hasn't. Yeah. Four people also. It's getting pretty it's been getting pretty crowded in here already. Mm-hmm. It's like a real uh, bachelor pad, ain't it? I think uh, Hazel is like out of chairs and she's like seated her territory and she's like watching Crossarm from the corner. What? Is she being hostile? No, she's just like, there are no chairs, but I'm also like, she's kind of a, a gossip. She's like, she's eavesdropping. She wants to know what this conversation's about. Oh, yeah. Coffee. Eggs. Soft-boiled, hard-boiled, scrambled. <laughs> In this world, I know how to ride a bike, and I drink coffee black. So I'll take a black coffee. All right, I pour you black coffee. Uh, I do the old upward head nod to Susan, indicating, what's up? Recognition. Do you, do you want coffee or what? These are pretty great beans I got here. <laughs> No, nothing for me, thank you. Yeah, you're probably more of a tea girl, aren't you? I'm here about our business proposal with a prospective business partner. Yeah, I guess we should probably head on over and uh, yeah get get what we're due. Exactly. We're yeah. down one. Uh-huh. As you can see, there's only two of us here. <laughs> I'll motion over to Hazel and like, are you... Part of this now. She kind of awkwardly gestures. Hey, if you're down one, I'll try anything once. What's on the table? Mm. Also, I I apologized earlier to Knox, and I do want to apologize to the two of you. Uh, We did have a real misunderstanding back there at the Drake. A lot of heated words. I don't think either of us knew what the whole situation represented. I'm I'm, uh, very grateful for your help. Um, now that I'm out of there, uh, I don't really know what the future holds for me, but uh, anything's better than being where I was. So, you know, give me a call sometime. Well, Miss Hazel, you'd have to prove yourself before we let you in on all our secrets. You did hold me at gunpoint, so that might take some time. So I clearly have some skills. 
right? But I don't trust you. I don't trust demons. I'm sorry. Uh, right, she's also a demon. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I think that's in character for Roman. Just like, <laughs> what does Hazel say to that? What does Hazel say? That you're also a demon. Um, she says she looks at you, Susan. She kind of furrows her brow and she says, "Well, I'm sure your mother Teresa, no doubt. I don't think anyone walks around the basement of the Drake Casino without having a little bit of blood on their hands. So why don't you uh, move to a glass house before you start throwing stones or however it goes?" Look, demons have been causing me problems. For a long, long time. Have I been causing you problems? Or are you painting us all with the same brush? What, you haven't met a good demon? I think I'm not half bad. I'm great at bridge. <laughs> I love Hazel. Yeah, you can sprout horrible wings and horns and stuff. Helps me fly. Well, that sounds like jealousy. <laughs> How do you fly? On a plane? Like a chump? Are you telling me that when you transform, that you don't turn into like a blind rage and just feel like killing whatever's in your path. No, it doesn't exactly work like that. At least not for, not for me and probably not for Nox. We have, we are people who by fate or circumstance were coerced or otherwise accepted a job. And it's not always a pretty job, but I think most jobs usually aren't. I'm not always happy about everything that I did while I was at the Drake, but I I think I'm still the same person that I am. I think I'm still a person who's trying to do her best to, to survive. I, you've never been in a hard position. You've never had to make a tough decision before. Yeah, the long, the long short of it is that we were on the bad end of a business deal, which seems to happen a lot in this city. What's the difference between shooting someone with a bullet like I saw you do or scratching them with a claw? I would love to know what you think the difference is. I try and make a point not to shoot people. Oh, I bet you're real swell at that if the last day or so is any indication. Look, Susan, you have as much reason to trust me as you do tall, dark, and scaly over here, so you've made your peace with him to some extent. Either give me a pass or fuck off. I think there's all there is to it, really. As much as I like to engage in the great discourse and 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 conversations inside cafes much like the great french philosophers of old of is, old of like it, 10 years of like now of, yeah french philosophers <laughs> of now um <laughs> it seems that we both have our resignations about working together that's not really a surprise for i think anyone here that's not why you've come to visit let's just go finish what we started our eggs <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine with the three of us going to see our business partner, Hazel. Perhaps when that's over, the four of us can discuss more about moving forward. Perhaps I can help with some employer-employee issues. I'll forward my resume to your secretary. Cheers. She... Starts peeling away, uh, frustrated at the shell of her hard-boiled egg. On the way out, Roman's like, you seem like fun. To Hazel? Yeah. Uh, I noticed there's one bed in here. Are you? No, no, nothing. No. I, no. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I have a whole entire bed in my home if you want us I have a spare room right now. She's uh, she's blushing when you insinuate that she and Knox are sharing a bed. But when you offer her a room, she brightens and she says, "Um, really, like a whole, uh, a whole room? What do I? Okay, okay, yeah, that's um, that's really nice of you. Actually, I really appreciate that. Hey, no problem. Okay, so the four of you head out now, and this time Susan, Roman, and Knox are heading to Arthur Cho's uh." office in the distillery while Hazel is making her way around Fairside over to Roman's place, which I think is a really cool, interesting development. Let's let's uh, cut over to Kitty because uh, it's been a moment. Philip, yeah, is true to his word. He packs the car. He rouses uh, Betty and the three of you hop in for a nice long Sunday drive. It it feels really great to 
not only have that little kind of extra sweetness of the husband taking the day off of wanting to spend time with his family, but the window rolled down, the breeze blowing through your hair, Betty like laughing about something stupid in the back. You've got the big hat, of course. It's that kind of vibe. And Philip's got the radio playing as you head down the beautiful streets and boulevards of downtown Fairside. And uh, after a few minutes driving, Philip pulls onto the freeway and starts heading east um, to get somewhere that's like a bit more open air, like more something more like natural than just Fairmont Park. Mm-hmm. He seems like to be in the best spirits that he's been since you, uh, not only since you last saw him, but since like the last three months of your time together. I mean, he's been very um, worn out and ragged and snippy and cross, but today he seems uh, so light. And he even um, says, um, you never told me. I mean, you mentioned it, but the those friends you made and, and your sister, I mean, they're all okay too? I think they're okay right now. I don't know. They may not be safe for long, but... What makes you say that? It's not like I left them with everything all resolved. I just thought they'd be better off without me. Well, you know, Kitty, uh, you're you're a very helpful woman. You, you love charity, you love giving back, but uh, up to a point, I mean, you can't make someone else's problems your own, of course. If, if they're going to... Uh, get into trouble, it's good to help them, but it's also their choice, isn't it? Kitty nods and says, yes, yes, you're you're absolutely right. Now, I have a little bit of a surprise for you, my dear. And as you uh, turn a long corner around the, you know, exposed granite of the Canadian shield or whatever, you're getting a little bit away from the lake. Um, actually, no. In fact, you're sticking pretty close to the lake. Along the shore, one might say. Look, uh, this record's gonna take forever. <laughs> Eventually, you find uh, you find yourself approaching a um, like a campsite, sort of like um like a beach resort that has, but it's more about like cabins. What's like the word for that? A beach villa. Some that kind of vibe. It's like a campsite, but it's like buildings. People aren't expected like you can pitch a tent, but it's like you can also rent like a nice cabin. And it is where you and Philip stayed on your honeymoon. Wow, we really were didn't adventurous. go very far. Yeah, <laughs> I think he felt he felt anxious being so far away from the city for work purposes. Um, he's sucks. a workhorse, our Philip. Romantic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a nice place. It's very beautiful. And he says, uh, while you were getting ready, I, I looked up this old place and I gave them a call and. Uh, the owner said we could uh, rent ourselves a cabin. I thought maybe we could make a, a long weekend out of it. Wouldn't that just be nice? Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. I It's just what I need. I, I'd hoped you'd say that. He pulls the car around and he parks and heads into the lodge to get like your keys and get your check-in all sorted. Um, Betty looks up from... She's reading a book. What books are came out? She's reading The Great Gatsby. <laughs> For school, because it just came out. This is so of this time. (laughs) She's reading the fucking wasteland. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Jeez. Um, She looks up from the Betty's book club. She looks up from the book she's reading and she says, um, wait, we're going to be here for like a few days. I didn't pack for that long. I'm. I didn't either. I. It's nice, though. Don't you think? I guess I like Fairside more. Are you, like, back? Like, are you, I mean, I don't think we need to upset Dad, but you were there when that club caught on fire? Like, I've heard you, you've been running around with Susan, like, playing with demons and getting attacked. Like, is that just over now? I hope so. All right, I mean, if that's what you want, I hope so, too. It wasn't right for me to go put myself in that situation. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it seemed like Roman appreciated having your company, but you can still like see her without it being like a whole thing, right? I suppose. I don't know. I don't know how much good I'll do. Well, 
maybe it's not about like doing good all the time. Maybe you can just like live your life and, you know, be you or whatever. Perhaps this is being me. She kind of like gives you like a long lingering look, but Philip comes around uh, with the keys and he starts unloading all the bags from the trunk and uh, bringing you over to this sort of cottage that he has rented for a few days. Um, it's, it's, you know, not uh, a glamorous penthouse suite, but it's, it's like very, you know, ritzy and luxe for like a cottage. It's like fully furnished. There's like nice cookware and stuff. There's like a, um, a radio and like a nice fireplace and um, uh, an ice machine. What do people like? I don't know what people like. I love ice machines. An Animal Crossing furniture. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a Nintendo Switch in the the corner. Yeah, the cloud floor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Philip says, this will be just the thing we need for a nice, uh, a nice getaway, a refreshing, a refreshing time. Um, Betty, why don't you uh, go and see what time dinner is? And Betty kind of shrugs and throws her book down on the couch and trundles off. And when she's out of earshot, uh, Philip turns to you, Kitty, and he looks you up and down appraisingly and he says, You really do seem like you're feeling better, Kitty. It's... I just needed a reset, you know? I I wonder, and don't take this the wrong way, but I wonder if all along those... those visions and those premonitions and those sensations are what, uh... are part of what caused the, the problems you were having. Well, the visions weren't bad until... recently... But for now, for now, I suppose it's best that I don't, that I don't get them. I think you're right. I think we'll just stay here for a time and we'll uh, recollect ourselves and um, I think we'll be in a good place. Kitty starts a fire in the little fireplace. Kitty, I want to be honest with you. I think it would be best if we stayed here for... Sometime, maybe, uh, maybe a couple of weeks, even uh, or longer, just to um, to uh, to make sure we are our our best selves before we resume the the hectic day to day of of life. Can you take that much time off work? I would like to do that for your sake. Yes. And Mayor Graham, she would she would let you do that. She wouldn't. She, she, she might have a problem with it. I, I won't lie, but uh, this is what's important to me. You are what's important to me. I'm going to cry. Um, but also, and what about Betty? She might take, I, I really appreciate this. this is, it's very, very sweet. I just, I don't think she'll take this very well. There's a little bit of steel in his voice when you when you have all these questions about it. A little bit of that manic and aggressive Philip that you've seen in the past couple of months. Just like the faintest trace when he says, I think it would be best for everyone, for all of us, if we stay here for now. I don't think heading back to Lakeshore is a good idea. Okay, I'll... Put on dinner. Thank you, Kitty. That would be lovely. And I do that. The three of you take a taxi or hop in Susan's double side cars or something. Uh, <laughs> could you one on each side? Could you imagine a, a true angel and devil <laughs> shoulder moment? Um, <laughs> and drive over to Goodman's Distillery. Um, it's probably you probably waited until like afternoon, evening kind of coming on because werewolves do their best work at night. And um, do you just want to like roll up to the distillery and and ask for entry at the door kind of thing? Fuck yeah. Arthur's expecting us. When have we ever made an appointment? Valid. Okay. You make your way over there and arrive at that same uh, unmarked metal door around the back of the distillery that has that eye slot in it. And the peephole opens and that same, whatever werewolf goon was glaring down at you the first time, starts saying, uh, state your business. Might have been his voice, no way of knowing. We have business with Mr. Cho. 
You hear uh, the sound of a light scuffle, like someone's being shoved away from the people. And then you see a familiar pair of eyes underneath a pair of bushy black eyebrows. And you hear Hotch's voice say, fuck yeah, you do. Come on in there. I've been waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> hello? Exciting. <laughs> the door of the distillery opens and he greets you warmly with a big smile. And he says, well, we can do all the formalities later. But uh, first, I think you you all deserve a little bit of a, a victory lap. He leads you into the uh, that main room of the distillery, Susan, where you shot that guy a few weeks ago. And werewolves seem to be having themselves a bit of a shindig. Yeah. Um, some like long conveyor belts and tables have been laden with jugs of shitty like werewolf moonshine. You know, lots of like snacks and treats and dinner. And uh, they've got some big speakers playing uh, a lot of lively big band music. And as Hotch leads you around one of the vats and into this distillery room proper, a great cheer goes up and the werewolves burst into raucous applause and cries of appreciation as they see your faces. Man, when word got out about how much you fucked up the Drake Casino, we could not believe our ears. Holy hell, how'd you manage that? Trade secret. <laughs> uh, Roman is eating up this this audience. I'm loving it. This is fun. Yeah, everyone wants to uh, to cheers you, to offer you a shot. They want to like dance with you. Hutch uh, looks at you, Susan. And he says, uh, "That old Miss Kitty couldn't make it. She's decided that this is no longer in her interests." Oh well, that's a shame. It seemed like she was pretty good at it. But uh, I'll have to uh, have a chat with her later on, make sure she's doing okay. She seemed like a sweet lady. Yeah, she is. Nox, two big werewolves uh, lift you up and place you on their shoulders and start marching you around this room. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 like a kid at the roller coaster, put my heads over my hands over my head and kind of just pump at the air. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's party! Yeah, sure. Um, uh, maybe after um, an hour or so of of revelry with these werewolves, where they they ask for every sordid detail of. I heard you you shot Rex Lemaire. Holy shit! And uh, how did you even manage to get inside the Drake at all? And you were disguised. Oh my god! I've never worn a disguise in my life. I can't believe that worked. Um, all these stories they've heard, some of them true, a few of them exaggerated by uh, excited retelling. Basically, this news has like rocked the werewolf community. And it's clear that um, from all of the discussion that is being held around you, about you and to you, that you have all struck a significant blow against Rex Lemaire. I mean, certainly he's still alive and kicking and he's probably madder than ever. But this is a big opportunity for the wolves of the docks to stake their claim to push back against Rex's tyranny, to win more people over to Arthur's cause. It's a, it's an exciting, like monumental day for them. And it's one full of like joy. Hotch eventually uh, looks over to you, Roman, and he says, and uh, I'd love some confirmation on this, but um, you know, as a scientist and a scientist who uh, pretty recently did save your skin, feathery as it was, I heard tell that you managed to track down the location of some vital, sensitive information regarding the production of sunshine. Is that correct? It's true. And I'll like maybe wave it around a little bit. Roman, this this is going to change everything for us. And it's it's going to be a win for you, too. I mean, once we can make clean shit, we don't have to worry about Faye uh, coughing up blood and going all sideways shape wise. It's it's a it's the best news I've ever heard, I think. Alan uh, runs up behind you, Roman, and gives you a big bear hug and squeezes you and lifts you off the ground a few steps. Oh, I missed you a lot, Alan. He leans in and whispers into your ear. He says, I missed you too. I'm glad you're here. Oh. This was like a big, I mean, you suffered a lot of losses, but it was also like the biggest win that you guys have scored yet as a group. And I want to like take a moment to underscore that and hopefully have you guys feel good about um fulfilling that goal. And after you've, you know, had your had your fair share of fun and and reindeer games, werewolf games with these dock workers and these distillery folk, eventually Hotch uh, gives a polite cough and says, I think Mr. Cho would like to see you now. You follow Hotch over to the uh, maintenance closet where Mr. Cho makes his office 
And uh, indeed, he's in there. You probably saw him like around during the festivities. In fact, it seems like he has been enjoying himself a fair bit. There's like a, a line of sweat along his hairline and his face is very like ruddy and flushed. He's kind of beet red. And uh, he welcomes you with a warm smile and his usual kind of closed off, overly polite manner is relaxed a little bit in the face of this overwhelming success. And he says, um, it, it really does me proud to see all of you here and in one piece and uh, having done a job well done. I I have to admit when you waltzed into my office as, as four strangers, I was a little bit unsure of what to expect, but I, I could not be happier with what I've heard coming out of the Drake Casino and of Rex's operations. Please accept my my warmest, warmest thanks. Anything to get this city back on the right track? Well, I think this is a great step forward. I mean, uh, we'll be able to uh, resume production. Uh, we'll have more opportunities to counter Rex and uh, prevent him from reclaiming his stranglehold on the docks. It's, I won't mince words, it's not all peachy keen, of course. I mean... Vera is still up and about. There are still plenty of wolves that are loyal to the old guard, but this is a decisive victory for us. Now, of course, uh, you have done some tremendous work for me, and I promised you a reward in turn, and I am a man of my promise. He, uh, from the floor of his office, lifts up a big wooden crate. If Kitty were here, she would remember it as the crate that she saw in her vision in episode six or seven or whatever. This is the crate that Arthur Cho intercepted. This is what Rex Lemaire was importing instead of sunshine. And whatever is inside this crate was important enough to cause Rex to interrupt his drug supply business and foment all of this chaos and this uprising in order to bring in this substance instead. And hands uh, a crowbar over to, let's say, Roman. <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, please. I pry it open. The top of this crate slides away. And you can see that inside there is um, packed layers of like straw and there are rows of these um, these long white crystals about the size of maybe a carrot. Nox, you recognize this crystal as uh, these crystals as one that you saw in the uh, little shed where you encountered the Ark for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, I believe Susan is now in possession of it because you didn't take it out of the shed. But um, these these do look to be the the same kind of mineral here. <laughs> what are we looking at, Arthur? Yeah, what is this? Arthur continues to smile and he scratches his head and he says, uh, "I'm I'm not super sure. I'm not 100% positive on why Rex wanted these so bad. I kind of hoped that this would you would all gasp and say, was the crystals? The I don't know. But um, this is what he's bringing in, and and based on the reports we have." He has probably imported a number in the tens of thousands of these. It's not the first one I've seen. Okay, so maybe if you if you could have gasped a little bit in recognition, that would have made me feel pretty good. <laughs> well, I just I just have so many questions. Do you know anything about the Lakeshore exhibition? Uh I'm I'm not really a festival man myself, but I, I know why you're asking. And uh, it does seem from what we've heard that Rex has a sizable presence and uh, investment in the exhibition for sure. He's got a lot of his, um, frankly, his high level folks pulled off to work on some projects related to it. I wondered if you found anything in his basement that might have uh, connected those dots a little bit more. Uh, did Kitty leave the invoice? Yeah, everything that I found you have. Can we remind the audience, but also me, what the invoice is for? Yeah, you found an invoice that connects with this. It's like where these crystals are being shipped to once Rex has them. And it's a it's an address somewhere in the north end of the city. Which I will remind Roman is somewhere that you have seen like the golden sparkle ley lines. Yeah, Susan doesn't know that, but Roman might be able to connect those dots. Yeah, I would probably share that with both uh, Susan and Knox. Uh, when we're out of Arthur's presence. <laughs> okay. You, you set a timer to reveal sensitive information <laughs> later. Um, but Susan, you said, you said you showed, um, Arthur the invoice. Yeah. Yeah. He gives it a once over and he says, yeah, for sure. Uh, he points to like a part of it and he says, these are shipments that we know included crates like this. This is, uh, absolutely, uh, decisive. This is where he's taking all of these crystals. He holds one up and he sort of like rolls it around in his hand. He's like, I don't know anything about crystals. That's not really my business. But these are like raw, right? Like they're not 
processed. So I'm sure wherever he's taking them is some kind of uh, plant facility to to get them. To, I don't know, but they're not done. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have other like questions or remarks for Arthur Cho? We also requested to know the answer to Roman's question, who is more powerful than Rex Lemaire? Who ordered him to stop making sunshine? I I think you're, yeah, this is fair. You're definitely on like track to putting this together. And Arthur is happy to confirm your suspicions that um, as best as I've heard, as best as any of my folks have heard on the ground, uh, this request came all the way up from Top Brass herself, from uh, from Mayor Graham. All right. I have deep, deep suspicions about this whole exhibition thing, especially if Rex is behind it. He, you know, has a has 13 subcontracted demons. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he has these subcontracted demons and their own minions and his network is just so vast. He might even be a demon. If it's the mayor, that town hall heist might be a thing again for different reasons. Just generally fighting the mayor? Yes. Or, you know, getting to the bottom of this. Yeah, totally. Uh, anything else for Arthur Cho for this scene? Did he know about the demons? Is that like a surprise? I would say that he, uh, like, suspected that there was some element of that in the picture. He he hates Rex Lemaire and wants him out of the picture, but is is really focused on that through, like, a wolf unity lens. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think if it's like, and Rex is controlling a bunch of demons, he's like, yeah, I mean, it, there's no way he could have gotten everything done that he does if he didn't have a few extra hands or claws, I guess is the case may be. Um, well, yeah, that's that's Rex's whole thing, right? Is like he has, um, he's really created a diverse portfolio of resources so that if one of his um, factions falls away, he's got like another ticket's place. You've worked on getting the wolves out of his grasp and kind of dealing a blow to his demon network. Although it's like not super clear what the aftermath of like Kitty summoning these demons like really mechanically is, because I don't think you guys are in a position to know that right now. But you've definitely like attacked like two heads of the Hydra. Yeah. I don't have anything more for Arthur. Yeah, if he doesn't know about the demon stuff, then that's fine. Um, Like, is Rex known to be a werewolf? Is Rex known to be a werewolf? Arthur, no, I think you I think you guys just managed to, like, not really get that question to the right person at the right time. But it's like Rex is not a werewolf. Rex is probably some manner of, like, magician who is allied with uh, power, who is, um, again, has that specialty as far as, like, control and subjugation and, like, making deals and just kind of, like, his class is, like, criminal emperor. Right. Okay. Rex also doesn't like light is a thing. Oh, yeah. Rex likes the dark. Rex likes the basement. Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask Arthur what, what his plans are next. Arthur says, um, well, uh, the very first thing is to go over these uh, notes of Rex's and start making sure we can produce uh, that high quality sunshine. And uh, we'll have to track down this uh, plant that you've um, found the sample of. I, I'll have to send that to Hotch and see what he makes of it. Um, once we are in control of the sunshine supply and if Rex is no longer um, no longer able or interested to manufacture his own, then I think that leaves a lot of room for us to start negotiations with, uh, with say, uh, Fairside and the people of Wild. I mean, do any of you know the, uh, the Fae Ileana? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I actually have been, I guess, mostly wanting to get these drugs to her. Um, I will gladly take them from you and deliver them to her. Okay, well, if, if you're happy to serve as a go-between, I mean, uh, I think once we once we have this production underway, it would be a really great boon to get us in the same room together. I don't know much about her. She's she's pretty reclusive, but uh, if she's open to working together, if she's open to uh, helping build this community, then uh, I think we could be a, 
a powerful union. Why don't I bring that to her and we'll uh, we'll get back to you on that. As you wish. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how Ileana goes for, like, join my communist drug uh, cabal. Yeah, I think it's going to be more like, give me the drugs and I will give them to Ileana. You don't need to see her. Yeah, you can have my old job. <laughs> hmm? Yeah. That being said, um, uh, if you're all finished with uh, Arthur Cho, um, Hotch does want to uh, catch you, Susan, before you go. Thanks again. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get this stuff cooking right away. I mean, uh, I, I can't tell you how uh, how grateful we all are. I hope you felt a little bit of it tonight. But um, I know you were doing some deliveries in the West End. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when we were sending out the um, the bad stuff, the not my fault, but not anyone else's fault either stuff. Uh, yeah. We were trying to get in touch with uh, as many of Rex's old dealers in that network as we could just to make sure that we were uh, taking over as many lines of supply. Um, you met a, a fellow named Louie? Yep. Yeah. Susan, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but uh, looks like Rex got to him uh, maybe a day before or after you paid a visit to the casino. He wasn't happy with uh, with selling someone else's product, so um, he made his displeasure known, as it were. I see. I hope you weren't especially close. No, he said pointedly that we weren't friends. So, uh, there you go. Some some news in the in the business pages for you. But, uh, just to keep Mom in mind... Mom saves me the trouble of quitting. <laughs> oh, Louie. Yeah, just, uh... Even if Rex has decided that he's not going to be distributing Sunshine right now, it doesn't mean that he has given his express permission for anyone else to, so... You know, this is good. This is a great day for us. This is a big step forward, but Rex ain't done. You know what I mean? Anyone who's who's meddling in affairs that he deems as his still has a target on their back. So just watch yourself, okay? Be careful. Believe me, I know. I can feel eyes on the back of my head all the time. Well, it's probably for the best. The more you can feel them, the more you can avoid them. Yeah, you're right. Alan steps forward and he puts his arm around Hotch's shoulders and he says, Okay, guys, uh, it's been really good to see you. Roman, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I hope you come back down to the dock soon. I think maybe even we could uh, try Trixie's again in a couple weeks and see how it goes. But uh, maybe even I could come say hi to Cal if you think that'd be okay. I don't know if he's... how he's feeling. He would give anything to see you. Alan nods quietly and kind of um, smiles to himself and he says, uh, well, then I better, I better stop making him wait, shouldn't I? Oh, but, uh, I gave away your room. Twice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Twice. Twice. Okay. Not just once, but then after that, you decided it was such a good idea that you'd do it again. Um... Understood. <sighs> you know what? I think now, I think especially now, I'm feeling more and more at home here in the docks. And he uh, gives Hodge a kiss on the forehead and they uh, they start waving you off. The three of you hop back into a taxi and start heading back towards the Fairside District. And it's it's a it's a refreshing feeling for once to um, to know that you have done something right to have helped people to have made the city a better place to have lined your own pockets with a little bit of crazy drug money but to have to have won to have earned a small victory at some point in this like endless war against the city itself and the the twinkling lights and the music of goodmans fall away from you and then eventually the distillery and the docks as a whole and you make your way through the shadowy sleepy streets until you get back to fairside knox Maybe with like a tense goodbye, you uh, head back into your apartment, which is now maybe thankfully empty. Susan, you uh, hunch your jacket over your shoulders, give the other two a stiff salute, 
and make your way back to your apartment. Roman, you head into the uh, massive house that you share with so many people. Seems like some of your roommates are having some kind of argument in the kitchen, so you discreetly sidestep and head up the stairs. Something stops you in your tracks. You can see um, a wafting bit of familiar sulfuric smoke from under the door that you've given to Hazel. There's the sound of a a deep sort of reverberating echo. And uh, if I may be so bold, I think that without giving it much of a thought, you burst into the room to see uh, a flash of light, another cloud of smoke as the demon Malarax disappears and Hazel sits on the bed that was just a day ago, occupied by Kitty, weeping, just sobbing into her hands as she has been once again visited by the demonic patron who, no matter where she goes, no matter how far she runs, will not leave her alone. Thanks for listening to episode 13 of Lakeshore. We'll be back on August 4th. Thanks for listening. I already said that. Yeah, that's good.